right, everyone. Welcome back to the Long Lens Podcast. This is a podcast where I answer questions from my filmmaking community and just talk about YouTube and filmmaking. So this is going to be a bonus episode. I asked a little while ago on Patreon as well as the YouTube community page what you would like to hear me talk on as a bonus episode. Since I'm kind of busy with these Panasonic videos right now, I wanted to still put something out on the podcast just to kind of chat about some of the things that I've been thinking about. So I put a poll on Patreon and on the YouTube community page of three different subjects, what gear I use for travel work, pros and cons of new cameras, and income options for smaller YouTubers. So I'm going to save the later half of this portion to answer the one that got the most votes on Patreon. But first I'm gonna touch on the one that got the most votes on YouTube. Since Patreon kind of gets priority, I'm going to just kind of touch on the subject that got the most votes here on YouTube just a little bit. And the one that got the most votes with 54% of the votes was what revenue options for new filmmakers and or small YouTube channels. So I wanted to talk on that a little bit because I feel like that got a pretty decent amount of votes on Patreon as well. So that'll be our first topic is ways to make money as a newer filmmaker or just a smaller YouTube channel. So I'm just going to be honest, having a small YouTube channel, like it is really hard to make money from the YouTube channel. The whole idea with the way that I make money is that I have a bunch of different revenue streams, but they all stem from the fact that I have a little bit of a following on YouTube. So when you don't have a following on YouTube, how can you still make some money? Well, I wrote down a few ideas for you and I've kind of touched on this subject before, but the first idea that I have is to sell stock, like sell stock footage. So this is something that like, you're not gonna see money like straight out the gate, you know, like uploading your stock footage, but the chances are you have a bunch of footage that could be turned into stock footage lying around in your hard drives. And instead of having it just lie on your hard drives, why not put it on a stock website and try to earn some passive revenue? So there's a bunch of different stock websites you can put it on. I've been trying out Blackbox, which is a service that basically takes your footage and puts it out on a bunch of different stock websites so you don't have to. So I've been using that. When it first got launched, there was like a a member cap, like only like a certain amount of people could get in. And then once they met that threshold, you had to wait for a really long time. I don't know if it's like that anymore, but I just recently like re-logged into my account and I'm able to upload my video clips and you know, you have to get it all approved by the black box team. And you know, you, if there's any people involved, you have to make sure that they sign a, a model release form. So there is a little bit of like busy work that you have to do to actually like, you know, get it onto the stock site. But all I did was I just took a day, took as much stock footage as I could find or stuff that could be used as stock footage. I kind of just, you know, rendered out all of like the best clips that I could find in Premiere into a folder. And then I just kind of uploaded all of them, tagged them, and I'm just gonna see how much money I can make off of stock footage. So so right now I only have like 50 or so clips up on Black Box, but my goal is to try to get at least 200 clips up by the end of this year, and then hopefully triple that by the end of next year and just kind of see how much I make. So that's the first thing I would say is try selling stock footage. You could have a lot more stock footage that you could sell than I do, and it could be a pretty decent way of making some extra money. I remember listening to Matt Johnson, who has a wedding filmmaking YouTube channel, and he says that he posts a lot of his stuff on stock websites, and he makes around five grand a year, which 
isn't a lot, obviously, but it's still better than nothing. I'd rather have an extra five grand a year than not have it. All right, the next tip I would have is to resell your gear. Now, if you have a bunch of gear just sitting around that you're not using, obviously it makes sense to sell it if you are not actually getting your money's worth out of it. And I feel like a lot of people out there might have gear that they don't use at all that they could easily sell. And something that I also did when I was younger and I didn't have much money to buy new gear is I would find gear that's being sold on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist was what I used back in the day because Facebook Marketplace didn't exist. I would find gear that I knew I could sell for a higher price on eBay and I would buy it for as cheap as I could on Craigslist and then resell it on eBay. And then I would just, you know, use my eBay funds to, you know, buy my next piece of camera equipment. So that's something that you can look into as well. Another idea is to rent out your gear. There are sites like ShareGrid that you can post the type of gear that you have and rent it out to other filmmakers who might need a lens or a light. I'm kind of wary about lending out like those high ticket items like lenses and cameras, but if you have lights or sliders or tripods that you could rent out to other filmmakers that need it, maybe they're flying in from a different state and they don't want to you know, bring their huge tripod and stuff like that, you can rent that out on ShareGrid and that's a really easy way to make some extra income. The next tip I have is to try affiliate marketing. And I would say specifically try affiliate marketing with YouTube Shorts. Now, even if you don't have a big YouTube channel, you can still get a lot of views with YouTube Shorts. And I've seen it happen with other channels. So if you're gonna do YouTube Shorts, try doing them on products that you can talk about and then link in the description of your video. And that's another way. I feel like affiliate marketing was something that I got into way too late and I didn't realize how much money I was leaving on the table. I think the first month that I tried affiliate marketing, I made over 400 bucks and I've made thousands and thousands of dollars since then using affiliate marketing links. So try that. Even if you have a smaller channel, that's a good way to make some extra money. You don't need to have a huge following in order to generate revenue with affiliate marketing. And I know you've probably seen that all over the place on TikTok. Like here's something that I do to make five grand a month without having to work. I'm not gonna say you're gonna make that much, but if you're smart about it and you make some YouTube shorts or even TikTok stuff, Instagram reels, anything that you can link back to a product, like a product link, that's a way to make some extra money. And that's still a pretty big portion of my monthly revenue. And the last tip that I would have is just to branch out. So if you're a newer filmmaker or a smaller YouTube channel and you're just doing the same thing that you were doing a year ago or two years ago, you might need to branch out, try something new. And that could be the thing that actually kind of boosts your career and gets you more gigs as a freelancer or more followers as a content creator. You know, you can try doing all the things that I mentioned, but having a little bit of an audience, having a skill set that you've been working on, that's what's really gonna bring in the money, especially if you're good at it and you have a good attitude, you'll make money eventually. Are you tired of having the same generic music that every other YouTuber has? Well, you've got to check out Musicbed. Unlike other music licensing sites, Musicbed has actual artists like Josh Garrels, Ben Rector, Chapters, and so much more. I've been an ambassador for Musicbed since 2019, and I can't recommend it enough. So use the link in the show notes to get started with a Musicbed subscription today. So hopefully those tips were helpful if you are a newer filmmaker or a smaller YouTube channel. Now let's get into the main topic of what I wanted to talk about in this podcast, and that is the pros and cons of new cameras. So first, I wanna talk about the pros. Now, everybody knows that I've, you know, I shoot on older cameras a lot, 
mostly because they're cheap. And the reason that I shoot on older cameras and not just cheap cameras is because the cheap cameras typically aren't good. The older cameras that I shoot on were very expensive when they first came out, or at least relatively expensive, right? Like I shoot on a GH3, you can get a GH3 for like 250 bucks nowadays, but the GH3 didn't start out being 250 bucks. Like it was a flagship camera from Panasonic and it started out at like 1299. So it was a $1,300 camera when it first came out. Same thing with like the EM1 Mark II. I bought it for 500 bucks, but it was probably in that same $1,400, $1,500 price range when it first came out. So the reason that I shoot with older cameras and not just cheap cameras like the new Canon R100 or something like that is because the cheap camera nowadays are not built for professionals. I consider myself a professional at what I do, so I want to use a professional camera. Anyways, that's a little bit off topic. I just wanted to clarify that. So I do have a newer camera now. I have the S5 Mark II X, but I also have my trusty GH3. So let's talk about the pros of new cameras. And the first one would be recognition, right? If I show up to a event with a Sony FS7, maybe not a lot of people will know what that camera is. If I show up with an FX6 or an FX3, that has a lot more name recognition tied to it, right? You know, everyone knows the FX3 because, you know, the new movie, the creator was shot on it. You know, not everyone's going to know about the Sony FS100 that came out, you know, back in 2013 or something. So recognition is a big thing. And especially when you're working with other filmmakers, if they're using a newer camera like an FX3, even if something like the FS7 could match perfectly fine with the FX3, those other filmmakers might not recognize what camera you're using or the camera that you're using might not be recognized in on a film set or in a color grading suite. The stuff that you shoot isn't going to be the same as somebody else's. I was at a filmmaker meetup event thing today and I was talking about the GH3 and not a lot of people knew about that camera. But as soon as I mentioned the S5 Mark II X, everyone was like, oh yeah, it's the new Lumix camera. So that's one of the pros there is some recognition tied to newer cameras. The second pro is that most newer cameras have features that make work smoother. So features like ProRes or higher frame rates. So you don't need to rent out a slow motion camera. Uh, codecs like all I and having proxies, which is you know typically found in cinema cameras like the, the Canon C500 Mark II, I believe. That one, you can shoot proxies simultaneously as you're shooting your main codec, which is really cool. So those kind of things can actually make your workflow a lot smoother. I love shooting ProRes 1080 on the S5 Mark II X because it still gives me a beautiful looking 1080p image, 10-bit 422 ProRes, and it's just, I don't have to transcode my GH3 stuff into ProRes, I can just shoot directly into ProRes, and obviously it's way better on the S5 II X. So yeah, when you're upgrading to a newer camera, that is one of the biggest things that I think people are looking for is they're looking for does this have features that are not only going to make my image look better but also make my workflow easier which brings me to the next pro is that you get a better looking image typically if you're someone who's jumping from like a canon t2i to a sony fx3 you're going to say a huge jump in quality right and that will justify the price that you pay, you're going to get a better looking image typically with newer cameras. They're going to have newer sensors, newer processors, and everything's typically going to look a lot better. It's very rare that a new camera comes out and it's going to look worse or look on par with something that came out five years ago. So that's something that you can always 
kind of count on is that new cameras are typically going to have a much better looking image. Another pro is that there are going to be more accessories found for newer cameras, right? With something like my GH3, it is really hard to find a cage, but you can even go further than that and look at something like the Panasonic G85, which is a lot newer. It's really still hard to find a cage for that camera as well. So, so having a new camera is kind of nice because all of these companies are going to be making cages and you know, handles and different accessories designed specifically for these newer cameras. Whereas if you use an older camera, like a G7, T2i, T3i, it is really hard to find specific accessories like cages and grips for those cameras. And lastly, the last pro that I wanted to talk about was they're typically better built, right? So if you look at something even like the EOS R in comparison to like a T2i, you're gonna have a lot better build quality on an EOS R. Same thing with even the original S5 as opposed to the S5 Mark IIx. I've had both of those cameras and it's very subtle, but the S5 IIx just does feel a lot more premium than the original S5. So you are gonna get better build quality that comes with these newer cameras. So have you been wanting to get that film look without spending hours in the color grading tab? Film Convert Nitrate is the easiest way to add film stocks and grain to your digital footage. With support for almost every camera on the market today and with most non-linear editing programs, Film Convert Nitrate makes it easy to color grade your videos like a pro. I've been an ambassador for Film Convert for a while now and I use Film Convert Nitrate on almost every single video that I make. So check out the link in the show notes for 10% off your purchase of Film Convert Nitrate or Sydney Match. Okay, so now let's go into the cons of newer cameras. So I think one of the biggest cons for me whenever I think about getting a newer camera is that the codecs are gonna be beefier and the resolutions are gonna be higher. And that means that I'm probably gonna to need to get a new computer because the computer that I have that worked perfectly on footage from a camera that came out in 2017 might not work on a camera that came out in 2023. Now, I think this is true for basically every filmmaker and every editor, unless maybe you edit on Final Cut Pro. Final Cut Pro is one of those editing programs that if you're editing on a Mac, you can kind of get away with editing on Final Cut Pro on almost any semi-new Mac that came out because Final Cut Pro kind of, it actively makes ProRes proxies as you're editing and it's built for your Mac. And so it's just gonna edit a lot smoother. I know people that were still using 2015 MacBook Pros to edit C70 footage, you know what I mean? So it's like, unless you're one of those people, if you get a newer camera like the like the Sony FX3 or any of the new Sony cameras, any of the new Panasonic cameras, you might need to beef up your editing system. Right now I'm using a 2019 MacBook Pro and I can edit my S5 Mark IIx footage in Premiere relatively well, but I can definitely see that like it's sluggish a little bit and I might need to actually upgrade to a new MacBook Pro eventually. So that's just another thing that a lot of people might have to take into consideration. Yeah, I'm getting a new camera, but does that also mean that I need to get a new computer that can handle the footage that this camera is going to spit out? So that is a pretty big con if you're not looking to update your editing computer anytime soon. You might have a really hard time editing the footage that's coming out of these newer cameras. So the next con, which is kind of the more obvious one, is you're going to spend more money up front. So if you're going to a newer camera, that might mean a new mount, it might not, but it is gonna cost a lot more, obviously, than older cameras. So you will have to spend a lot more money upfront, which means you're not gonna have enough money to spend on other things like lenses or lights. 
Let's say you already have that stuff though. It is a little bit harder of a pill to swallow if you're like me and you're used to buying older cameras for the money that you get to save. You kind of have to put your entire budget for camera gear that maybe if you were going to buy an older camera, you could have a little bit of extra money to spend on some more camera gear. But if you're going to buy a brand new camera, you're going to be spending a lot more money up front, which is kind of a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people, including myself. The next con is accessories are more expensive. With having a lot more accessories accessible to you, they're typically a lot more expensive too. So cages are going to be more expensive. Uh, batteries are going to be more expensive because maybe there aren't third-party batteries that you trust. All the accessories that you're going to get are going to be pretty expensive, whereas with cheaper cameras, the accessories are typically also cheap. I can definitely say that for my Panasonic GH3, I can get batteries cheap. I can get replacement eye cups for cheap. The cages that I do find are typically pretty cheap. So there's some pros for having older cameras and accessories being a little more expensive can be a con for newer cameras. Another con is you're going to need more hard drives with the newer cameras and newer codecs and you know, higher resolutions, it's going to mean a lot more hard drive space and a lot more media that you're going to need. So you're going to need higher capacity SD cards that are probably faster because the codecs are going to be a lot higher. So you're going to have to spend money on better SD cards. That's something that I had to do recently for shooting on the S5 Mark IIx. And you're going to need more hard drives, which is another thing that I've had to do since getting the S5 Mark IIx. You know, a project that would probably be 11 gigabytes on a GH3 is probably more like 45 gigabytes on a S5 Mark IIx, you know, shooting on a moderate codec. So that's another thing is you just have to get ready to spend a lot more money on hard drives and SD cards or other media like CF cards. All right, now this next con is mostly for people who are making a jump from a camera that's already good. And that is there's a marginal difference in image quality. So if you're coming from like, what's a good example? If you're coming from a Sony FS7 with the Atomos Ninja V and you're going to like an FX3, I feel like the difference is going to be very marginal. And, you know, Casey Neistat made a really good video on this, which was kind of like saying, you know, the more money you spend doesn't necessarily going to give you the better image, especially if you're coming from a camera that's already good, right? If you're coming from a original Lumix S5 and you get the S5 Mark IIx, the S5 Mark IIx is a better camera and it's a newer camera, but realistically, as far as the actual image goes, there is like there's not that big of a difference in the image. It's all of the other things that you're gonna see a difference in, which is like autofocus performance and codec quality and that kind of stuff. But the actual image that you're seeing, very, very negligible, if any at all. So that's another con, is that like if you're hoping for a better image image with that higher price tag, that's not always the case. And last but not least, something that always keeps me bringing my GH3 out with me wherever I go, it is painful when your new and expensive camera breaks or needs a repair. If I had an FX3, I would be a little bit hesitant to take it to a skate park, put it on a gorilla pod and skate around because my skateboard could go flying and break my camera. But if I took my GH3 out with like a little lens on it and put it on a gorilla pod, I wouldn't care. The GH3 can fall over, it can get scratched, it can break. The GH3 is a cheap camera and I don't care about it, but that also makes me want to take it out more and it makes me want to create with that camera more. But 
when you have a really expensive camera that you want a baby and like not break even if you have insurance on that camera it still really stings when you have this expensive nice new camera and you take it out somewhere and you break it it makes you want to leave it at home i think cameras like my gh3 are cameras that make you want to take them with you because you're not as cautious with those cameras, which means you want to take them with you and you want to film stuff. And that's typically what's going to have you creating a lot more and getting better work done is having a camera with you that you like shooting on and that you're not going to be scared to get wet or, you know, scratch up or something like that. So that's another con with newer cameras is that they force you to want to keep them nice and new and that actually can make you create on them less. Anyways, those were my thoughts on new cameras versus old cameras and the pros and cons for both of them. Hopefully that was interesting to listen to and I am gonna be hoping to have more regular scheduled content out on the podcast soon. I do have another guest lined up. We just have to figure out some dates and uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. I still have so much fun making this little podcast and yeah, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can support me on patreon and it would be really cool if you even left a review on apple podcasts or spotify that would be sick anyways thanks again for listening and i'll catch y'all next time later